They have something in the United States. It's called uh, PBS. So you know what that means. It's public broadcasting. And there was a special on the other evening. I was watching it, and they were highlighting an African-American pastor um, for various reasons. And in one of the scenes, he was leading his congregation in this song, and the line was this, Ain't nobody do me like Jesus. Now, I know that some of you are international. Some of you are not from the South in the U.S. You have no clue if that's a, if that's a good statement or not. I mean, the English is, is not so good. You're a little bit clueless. But let me tell you, that is a phrase worthy of amen. That is a phrase worthy of your hearty approval. Ain't nobody do me like Jesus. And when I heard that, I thought, yeah, that's why I'm free to do 1 Peter. I can be a disciple. I can sell out to Jesus. I can pick up my cross. I can do all those things that God talks about in the Scripture because ain't nobody do me like And that's what I want to talk about tonight. That's what I want to talk about. Let me, we'll come back to that in a minute. Let me ask you this question. It's a question that every biblically literate Christian ought to be able to answer. Hopefully we have one or two or several. No pressure, though. I'm not going to put any pressure on you. But why you? Mike's probably asked, heard me ask this question several times. He's been around about five years, so... He's probably heard me ask this question. Why you? Why me? Why bumblebees? Why aardvarks? Why mountains? Why amoebas? Why supernovas? Why a billion, 400 plus billion galaxies? Why? Someone tell me why. That's a good answer. It pleases God. <laughs> That's a good answer. We might can take it a little deeper. You know, this could be a two-year sermon series. Why? Right? Why? But I can synthesize it down into three words from the Bible. For the glory of God. It's all about the glory of God. You thought, probably some of you when you got up this morning, it was about you. Right? It's not about you. If you were a member of ICM, you would know that. I say that a lot. It's not even close to being about you. It's about someone infinitely more interesting than you. It's about Jesus Christ. It's for His glory. Badgers and aardvarks and nebulae and mosquitoes. and It's all for the glory of God. If we understand Our Bibles, of course, we know that God has many reasons for all that He does. But the paramount reason is His glory. I love how John Piper talks about creation. He says this, In creation, God went public with the glory that reverberates joyfully between the Father and the Son and the Spirit. So the eternal happiness of the Godhead spilled over into the work of creation. 
All of His works are simply the overflow of His infinite exuberance for His own excellence. Don't you love that sentence? When I grow up, I want to be able to write a sentence like that. All His works are simply the overflow of His infinite exuberance for His own excellence. I still remember when I read that line for the first time. It's 1996. It was late at night. I was uh, preparing to go to bed and I was reading some of Piper. And when I read that, I thought, that's right. That's how God is. That's how He is. You know, a lot of people in the church, they have this misconception about who God is and what He's like. He is a God of infinite exuberance. You can see it in the created order. If you don't see it in the created order, you're blind. It's there. It is there. Two years later, I was in seminary. Some people think there's a correlation between, between that sentence. And, but you know, when I, when I begin to get a biblical view of God, as Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 1.11, He is the blessed God. Someone tell me what that means. What does it mean, the word blessed? The Greek word could be translated what? In English. Happy. Do you know Him like that? He is the happy God. I would dare say there's a, a huge percentage of Christians who do not know that He is a God of infinite exuberance. He is a happy God. Why can we do First Peter? Why can we be persecuted? Why can we lose everything for the name of Jesus? Because our God's a God of infinite exuberance. And His infinite exuberance swallows up all these momentary light afflictions, as Paul calls them. We've come to understand God correctly. We can't live small anymore, right? <laughs> we can't do it. We can't, live the, we can't live like the world anymore. It's just too small. We, we cannot do it. So God has gone public with His infinite exuberance. He is revealing His glory. There's another component to why anything or why everything. I mentioned it a lot in here. Some of you could probably guess. God is doing all things for His glory, and God is doing all things for what? The joy of the redeemed. God is doing all things for His glory and for the joy of His people. God is radically committed to the glory of God. And God is radically committed to the joy of His people, even if we get sawn in two. Hebrews 11.37 Because His infinite exuberance and His infinite beauty, it swallows up the ordeal of being sawn in two. That's why we can do First Peter. That's what we've been talking about for about ten months. You know, it's not always about our best life now. Sometimes we suffer here. And that's what 1 Peter is all about. Christian, if you're a real Christian, you will suffer because you're a real Christian. Now, if you're a quasi-Christian or pseudo-Christian, you won't suffer at all. The world doesn't care about you. You go to church. You say some things, but you don't push anybody. I mean, you don't, you know, you don't really live it out in the world. So the world's not threatened. They're, the world is not going to bother you. The world is unconcerned about you. 
But if we're a real Christian, as God is talking about in 1 Peter, the world's going to come after us to one degree or another. It's what we've been seeing for 10 months. The world will persecute us. So why anything? For the glory of God and for the ultimate and eternal joy of His people. It's not always about our best life now. It's about our best life forever. Beloved, this is biblical Christianity. It's not the snake oil that's sold in many pulpits these days. This prosperity gospel. It is a false gospel. And Paul says, any man who preaches a false gospel, let him be accursed. If we understand that God's glory, and I want to say this, I hope, you, hope you'll understand, God's glory is our joy. It's the believer's joy. His glory is our joy. That's why we can go with Him. That's why we can do First Peter. Because really at the end of the day, we have, we have peripheral joys and superficial joys, subordinate joys. But our preeminent joy is the glory of God. It is the glory of God. And when, as God seeks His glory, here's what I want you to understand. When God seeks His glory, God is seeking your joy. Beloved, we're supposed to know this. And we're supposed to live like we know this. If we believe it's all about the glory of God and we believe that His glory is our joy, then we have license to be a disciple. We can indeed pick up our cross and go with Jesus. Not in some brain-dead, heart-dead religious way as millions do, but as true disciples. As true disciples that honor the Lord with our lives. I like how the 18th century American theologian Jonathan Edwards talks about this. He says, God is revealing His glory to the whole created order. All moral and intelligent beings will see it. They will acknowledge it. They will even marvel at it. Even the damned will marvel at the glory of God. Every eye will see Him. Every tongue will confess. Every knee will bow. Even the damned. But I love what Ed, how Edwards talks about this. With the redeemed, God is doing a different thing. God is doing an, a, an additional thing. God is not only revealing His glory to the redeemed, He's communicating it to the redeemed. I love this. You need to think about this. It's not simply for us to see. It's for us to experience. It's for us to taste. I know you're, many of you are familiar with those great words Jesus prayed in John 17. Jesus says it like this as He prays. John 17, 13. He says, I pray that they may have My joy in them. Beloved, divine joy is Jesus' prayer for us. John 17, 22. Jesus prays, the glory which the Father gave to me, He has given to them. He has given to the redeemed in some measure. We share in that glory. This is too awesome to speculate about. I don't even try to parse, I don't try to parse this. All I know is what God's Word says. We are somehow mysteriously caught up and enveloped in the glory of God. 
for all eternity. John 17, 23, that the Father has loved us even as He's loved the Son. Of course I can do 1 Peter. I'm loved even as Jesus is loved. Why would I not give everything I have to Christ? Why would I not obey Him with all that I am and all that I have? When I'm loved like this, John 17, 24, Jesus prays that we will be with Him, that we will behold His glory. And this one that has always blown my mind, it makes me get on my face and worship John 17, 21. Even as the Father is in Jesus and Jesus is in the Father, we will be in them. As one theologian says, without, without any blasphemy, it's almost as if, it's not, but it's almost as if we're the fourth member of the Trinity. Beloved, this is the kind of joy and glory that God is pulling the redeemed up into. It's His glory. It's His joy. And you're going to live it small? Tell me, are you going to live it small? Your vapor upon the earth, are you going to live it small? This kind of glory? This kind of love? Beloved, don't live it small. Don't live it small. These are outrageous things that Jesus has prayed for us. And yet He has prayed them for us. Why anything? Why everything? For the glory of God and for the joy of His people. God is radically committed to His glory. He's radically committed to our joy. All you got to do is look at the cross. Just look at the cross. Jesus is willing to pay any price to communicate His glory and His joy to His people, beloved. Any price. No price was too high for Jesus. I am is in a manger. I am is on the cross. I am is in the tomb. Why? For the glory of God and for your joy. And you're going to live it small? You're going to be afraid? Out in the world, you're going to be intimidated? I pray not, beloved. I pray not. Let the whole created order stand in awe. I am has become a man and I am has redeemed His people by His shed blood. As some of you are preparing to leave, Ethan and others, I know that others will be leaving in the coming weeks. I just I want to spend a few minutes, I'm just going to go to some various passage, passages quickly and to, to remind you why we can do 1 Peter. And I can sum it up. Ain't nobody do me like Jesus. Ain't nobody do me like Jesus. Amen? <laughs> Nobody's ever loved me like Jesus. Nobody's ever treated me like Jesus. Nobody's even in the same cosmos as how He loves me, how He has cared for me, how He has redeemed me, how He showers me with His goodness and His love and His faithfulness, and how He will do it forever. Ain't nobody do me like Jesus. You can quote me on that. 
And we understand as God's people, we understand that the implication of that is that you, your soul, your life, your body, your marriage, your singleness, your sexuality, your kids, your career, your money, your hobbies, your leisure, your leisure, your plans and dreams and trials and pains and persecutions and heartaches and sicknesses and even your death, it's all about the glory of God. That's how you're supposed to interpret everything in your life. It's for the glory of Jesus today. It seems like a flat tire to you, but it's for the glory of Jesus somehow. <laughs> because in my spirit, I'll have victory over this. I want to say bad things about this. But I'll let Jesus have the victory. Let me ask you, does it sound like a burden to say I'm going to live every aspect of my life for the glory of God? Does that sound like a burden? Does it sound like loss to you? I will say this with all love. If that sounds like a burden to you, if that sounds like loss, I, can, I think I can say that you have not met Jesus Christ yet. Because if you've met Him, you know that's not loss. You know that giving Him control of all of your life is a God encounter in every sphere of your life. And it's joy. It's not a burden, beloved. It's joy to live as Christ. To die is gain. How can we do First Peter? Because our God is an awesome God. And He's loved us in the most remarkable way. And we can live First Peter not because we are radically committed to Him. And yes, you need to be. <laughs> You're called to be. But we can do First Peter because He's radically committed to you. That's why you can do it. That's why you have no excuse to go out there and live it small and be afraid and be intimidated by the world. It's not about our commitment to Him. It's about His commitment to us. And I want to spend the last few minutes just looking at some Scriptures that, that I love and I hope will encourage you in this regard. I guess the best place to start, we, we could start anywhere, I thought of Romans 8.31. You guys know the great text. If God is for us, what? Who is against us? Well, in one sense, the world's against us, right? We understand that. But really, when it comes down to it, anyone that matters as compared to God? If God is for us, who is against us, beloved? I love that text. I do... Love it so. Let me ask you, do you believe it? God doesn't say I'm pulling for you. God doesn't say I hope it works out for you. God doesn't say I'm rooting for you. God says I am for you. The Bible not only tells us that, that He's with us and that He's in us, He's for us. Are you living it small? Are you kidding me? Seriously? Are you living your Christianity small? 
beloved God is for us. And the Bible says that this great God, no one can stay His hand. He is the God of heaven and earth. He does whatever He pleases. Why are you afraid this God is for you? The God who effortlessly speaks 400 plus billion galaxies into existence. This God is for you. Of course you can live 1 Peter and everything else in the Bible because your God is God and He's for you. Isaiah 40, 17-22 The nations are nothing before Him. The inhabitants of the earth are like grasshoppers. Isaiah 41.10 Do not fear for God says I am guess what? With you! The problem is most of those who profess to be Christians they either don't believe it or they don't care or it means nothing to them that God is with them and God has empowered them to be sons of light upon the earth. As I think the Apostle Paul says God says, Isaiah 41.10, Do not fear. I am with you. Do not anxiously look about yourself. For I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Beloved, who can turn back the outstretched arms of Jehovah God? Someone tell me. And you're going to live it small? And you're going to be intimidated in the world? And you're not going to speak at the university? You're not going to speak in the office. You're not going to speak truth to your children. You're not going to speak in the neighborhood. Beloved, this is a contradiction. This is an oxymoron. It is an oxymoron to say that I'm in relationship with the Creator, Redeemer, Eternal, Infinite, Omnipotent God, and I'm afraid of my own shadow. I'm not saying that we don't have legitimate struggles. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that we're, we don't have different levels of maturity. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying, get mature. <laughs> get strong in the Word. Know what you believe. Know who your God is and speak it in the world. It's like we've been saying the last few weeks. God hasn't called you to win the argument. And most of the time in the world, you'll lose the argument. He hasn't called you to win the argument. He's called you to be a witness. Just be a witness. You can do it, beloved. You can do it because He is who He is. God is for you. Therefore, you're always in the majority. Right? Right? You're always in the majority. You are always more than conquerors. You will always get the victory. Another one of my favorite verses. Some of you will know it. Jeremiah 31. 3. I have loved you, God says, with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have drawn you with loving kindness. Beloved, before anything, yeah, in eternity past, God loved His people. God loved His people. It is a love with no beginning. It is a love with no end. It's what we read about there in Romans 8. Who can separate us from this great love? This omnipotent love? Who can do it? 
No one can do it. No one, no thing, no army, no demon, no devil, no one can separate us from the love of God. And you're going to live it small? You're afraid of some little man out there? Some little class of people? Some group? Some peer group? Beloved, I challenge you. I challenge you. Be a disciple in the world. You know, nine times in the Gospel of John, it's one thing I'll never forget as we preached the Gospel of John about ten years ago. Christians are a love gift from the Father to the Son. And you remember what Jesus says about that love gift? We are a gift from the Father to the Son. And what does He say about that love gift? I'll never lose one. I'll never lose one of my people. I'll never lose one. This is how we are loved, beloved. This is how we are loved. And we know what the, the New Testament tells us that God is gladly giving us the kingdom, Luke chapter 12. He's freely giving us all things, Romans chapter 8. He's blessing us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies, Ephesians chapter 1. We are co heirs with Jesus. Ain't nobody do me like Jesus. Right? I hope you can say that. Uh, you can repeat me, you can quote me. A great African-American spiritual. Ain't nobody do me like Jesus. Of course I can live like a son of God in the world. Of course I can live like a daughter of God in the world. A God of omnipotent love. No one can separate us. Can't happen, won't happen. Impossible. Cannot happen. Listen to Jeremiah 32, 40 and 41. I will make with them an everlasting covenant that I will not turn away from doing them good. Do you hear it? I will put the fear of me in their hearts that they may not turn from me. I will rejoice in doing them good with all my heart and all my soul. God says, I will do them good. <laughs> Man, we got to be liberated, right? There's just so much license. There's so much liberty. There's so much freedom in these words of God. And of course, you know the companion verse over in the New Testament, Romans chapter 8, we know that God causes almost everything to work together for good to those who love God, those who call according to His purpose, right? Almost everything God works for good, right? Did I, miss, did I misquote it? God works everything. We've talked about it a million times through 1 Peter. On your hardest day, when you can't cry anymore, God's doing something good. And that's what faith is about. We trust Him on that hard day, that dark day, that black day. We trust Him for the good that He will bring through it and in it. God is expending omnipotent energy to work good in our Trials. Beloved, I, I know you know this, but I, I just want to say it to you. As long as God's been God, He's known about this day. And as we've talked about in 1 Peter, He not only knew about this day, He designed this day for you. And He's going to burn off the dross in your faith. He's going to bring you into conformity with His Son. He's going to make you more like Jesus. That's what He's doing. He's not only known about it, He is at work for good 
in your trial, in your persecution, in your tribulation, in your hard day. John 17.9, Jesus says, I do not pray on behalf of the world, but for those whom Thou hast given Me, for they are Thine. I love this truth about the Lord. You know Romans 8.26, the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Romans 8.34, Jesus at the right hand of God interceding for us. Anytime I look at Romans 8 and I talk about these, uh, these texts here, I always like to ask the question, and it's not too hard. How many members of the Trinity are praying for us right now? I'll give you a few minutes. You might need a pencil and paper. I don't know. A computer. How many members of the Trinity are interceding for you right now? Two! And we know what the Scripture says. That if the prayer of a righteous man availeth much, what do you think the prayer of... God the Son and God the Spirit avails. And you're going to live it small? God is praying for us. He's radically committed to His children. Jesus is interceding for us. Ain't nobody do me like Jesus. And I'm I just going to share with you for a few minutes, you, you know these great texts. King David was was uh, overwhelmed with the watch care of God in his life. Just a couple of quick psalms. Psalm 3, 3, The Lord is my shield. Psalm 18, 2, He is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, in whom I take refuge. Psalm 27, 5, In the day of trouble, He conceals me in His tabernacle. He hides me. He will lift me up on a rock. Psalm 32, 7, God is my hiding place. He preserves me from trouble. He surrounds me with songs of deliverance. Psalm 46.1 God is my refuge, my strength, my uh, very present help in time of trouble. Psalm 61.3 and 4 For thou hast been a refuge for me, a tower of strength against mine enemies. Psalm 71.3 God is a uh, is a rock of habitation to which I may continually come. Ain't nobody do me like Jesus. I can be a disciple, man. I can be a disciple. I can be a disciple people write songs about. Maybe not so much. You never know. Because ain't nobody do me like Jesus. And I understand that. I get that from the Bible. And I am set free. <laughs> I am set free in this awesome reality. Zephaniah 3.17. I'm about done. Listen to what the Lord says. The Lord your God is in your midst. He is a warrior and He gives you victory. Don't you love it? I love it. The God is referred to as a warrior several times in the Old Testament. He is our warrior shepherd and He gives us victory. He will rejoice over us with gladness. He will renew us, uh, renew you in His love. He will exalt over you with shouts of joy. God is with us. He is a warrior. And in Him, we will have victory. Even if we're sawn in two. You understand what I'm saying, right? You may not get the temporal victory, but who cares? Right? It's all about the eternal victory. It's all about the eternal victory. 
God rejoices over His people with gladness. He takes pleasure in His people. He delights in, this, in, in their welfare. He's not dispassionate. He's not apathetic. He's not lethargic. He's not half-hearted. He's not disinterested. He's not distracted. He is wholly committed to His people. And He is bringing them to Himself. And He will hold them to Himself for a billion eternities. Who can separate us from the love of God? Nobody can forever. This is the Christian creed. This is why we can't live it small. We cannot. We simply cannot do it. God delights in us and He is radically committed to us. So why anything? Why everything? Why did God go public? For His glory and for your joy. So what do we do with this? What do we do with this revelation of God's radical commitment to us? Is this just simply meant to be you know, beautiful theology? Or are these truths meant to impact the way we live every single day when we get up? Are these truths merely meant to make us feel warm and fuzzy and on Sunday? Or are they meant to, to change the way we live Monday through Saturday? I think you know the answer to that question. Beloved, you can be a disciple. I like to say it like this. We can do all He says because He will do all He says. We can do all He says because He will do all He says. So, my challenge to you is if you're still living like the world and you claim to be a Christian, you must stop. Either stop claiming to be a Christian or stop living like the world. That is an oxymoron. You must stop living like the world. God is radically for you. You cannot live like that anymore. It's just... For one thing, it's just not interesting enough. You know what I mean? It's just not. It doesn't hold my attention. What the world says is important. It just simply doesn't hold my attention. We know what's important. God has called us to live, Hebrews 11.6, full throttle, believing that God is and that God is a rewarder of those who seek Him. Because we have a big God, a big salvation, a big Savior, God expects us to live a big life. It doesn't have to be anything that the world recognizes, but it's big in the eyes of God. What is a big life in the eyes of God? <laughs> it's a life fully surrendered to God. You know, the last shall be first and the first shall be last. You know who's going to be first, don't you? It's, going to be some, it's not going to be some great preacher. It's going to be some... Somebody nobody's ever heard of, but she was on her face before God, praying her heart out. She was a prayer warrior. I think that's who's going to be first. <laughs> it's going to be some, some little, old, frail, weak prayer, prayer warrior. I mean, I'm just speculating. I'm just speculating. God, 
God means for us to believe that He is and that He is good. And consequently, we can be a disciple in the world. And you remember what God says in Hebrews 11 about those who would love Him like that and obey Him like that and treasure Him like that and honor Him like that. You remember that great thing that God says, I am not ashamed to be their God. Don't you want to live like that? I mean, I know some of you in here, uh, maybe in, in your Christianity, it's just kind of, you know, it's just a tradition. It's just how you were raised. You don't really own it. You don't really know Him. I, I get that. Um, if that's where you are tonight, I, I, I challenge you to rethink everything you've ever thought about being a Christian. I challenge you to seek the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I challenge you to come to Christ and be set free. Because ain't nobody going to do you like Jesus. And religion ain't going to get it done, you know? Religion's just not going to get it done in your life. In fact, it's just going to get in the way. <laughs> Religion just gets in the way. So God's called us to live radical lives. And you can if you believe He's God and you believe He is for you. As Chris Tomlin sings, you know the great song, and if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what could stand against? So, as a, as a preacher of the Gospel, I stand before you tonight and I give you utter and complete and total license to be a disciple because your God is for you. Your God has loved you with an infinite love. Your God has saved you with a supernatural salvation. And your God has committed Himself to you wholly. Don't you dare go live it small, beloved. Don't you dare go live it small. You can be a disciple. We can all do 1 Peter. We can do 1 Peter. Even when it's hard on that hard day, we can do 1 Peter. Because our God is with us and our God is for us. And don't ever forget, ain't nobody do me like Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord, it's true. It's true. Ain't nobody do me like You. Nobody. Nobody's ever loved me like that. Nobody's ever committed to me like that. Nobody's ever held me close like that. Nobody's ever met every single need I've ever had like that. Nobody's guaranteed me an eternal inheritance. Nobody has ever done that for me except for You. Nobody saved me from my own sin and my own guilt and my own shame. You have done it. My sin is gone. My shame is gone. As far as the east is from the west, you great God have done this in my life. Forgive me, Lord, when I've treated it as some small thing, as some common thing, 
some merely religious thing. Forgive me, Father. But this is a, a great and awesome truth. Lord, teach us to be disciples. Help us to claim and own this promise that You are for us. I pray it would be the most real thing in our lives. Understanding and knowing that You are not only with us and in us, You are for us. And Lord, we can turn the world upside down. One life at a time as we share this breathtaking Gospel with the world. So Lord, we offer ourselves up to You tonight. And as I prayed at the beginning, have Your way with us, Lord. Have Your way with us. Make us into disciples. We give all glory and honor and praise to His matchless name. Amen. We are going to celebrate the table tonight.